Well, good morning, church. Good morning. If you were here last week, you got to hear Ryan talk about monsters inside of us. <laughs> we got to rock out, right? And the shame that we can feel when that monster, whatever it may be, comes crawling out of us. But we also heard about the opportunity for redemption and leaning on God to help us tame our monsters. Today's message is similar, but it's also very different. Rather than teaching, I'm going to be sharing some stories with you, very personal stories. Now, if you're unsure of who I am, I'm Elizabeth. And I am so, so, so incredibly honored that I get to be your connections administrator here. No, I am not a pastor. I don't know the Bible like the back of my hand. This message is not filled with Bible scriptures. For some of you, I'm sorry. And for some of you, you're welcome. <laughs> but I am on fire for Jesus. And I feel him calling me to do so much more here. Matt and Ryan also see more in me. They believe in me, and they asked me to be here. So here I am. You know, uh, so Matt hates the word honest, so I changed it in my message. I'm going to be transparent with you. Uh, most days, I don't think that I actually deserve this opportunity or that I'm really worthy of being employed by a church. You see, I, I often wonder if people actually knew about my history, my broken past, would they actually find me worthy of this position or would they go running to the board and demand that I be replaced by a better Christian? It's an internal dialogue that I have with myself regularly, but then I'm reminded that in the Bible, uh, God actually uses imperfect, broken people to do some pretty amazing things, right? Elijah, Moses, Noah, the list is actually quite bigger than you might think. You see, there's no such thing as perfect people, and there's no such thing as a perfect life. I hate to be the one to break it to you. And this morning, I am going to introduce you to an imperfect person. <laughs> Hi, it's me. And for me, life sounds a little like this. Oh, good. Yes, that is the kind of music I jam out to in my car, music, you know, like the volume at max with the windows down. And since my daughter's here, I can throw her under the bus. And um, when, I, when she asked what song I picked and I told her this song, she rolled her eyes. <sighs> of course you did, Mom. <sighs> of course you would pick like the cheesiest song ever. And as I sat down right now, she looked at me with this blank, you know, face. And I, I look at her and I go, what? You're so cheesy. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But that's, that's, that's literally my kind of music. So 
Love you, Evelyn. Uh, you know, <laughs> growing up, I, uh, I think I always knew Jesus, and I, I wanted him to be a part of my life, but I didn't really know how to do that. I didn't really have, uh, you know, the, the examples of family to really show me how that worked because, you know, my family, we didn't really do, like, this whole church thing on, like, like a regular basis. We didn't do that all the time. I had to figure it out kind of all on my own. And with what little I did know about Jesus, I remember going to a Sunday school class this one time with some friends, and we were learning about uh, forgiveness. And the one Bible verse that I learned and remembered and t you know really took home was 1 John uh, 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All I really heard was, you sin, you ask for forgiveness, you're good to go. So I took that lesson with me, you know, all throughout life, but I, you know, I may have abused it here and there, and uh, you'll see, you'll see. So I'd like to think I had a, a pretty normal childhood. I actually grew up here in the Smoky Point Lakewood area with my mom and dad and two brothers. Yep, we had that, you know, mom, dad, 2.5 kids family. I'm going to go ahead and be the 0.5. I'll let my brothers take the whole numbers. You're welcome. Uh, we actually used to shop in this very building when it used to be a grocery store, believe it or not. Uh, my life, it was I thought, was pretty great. The first 10 years or so, I did sports, uh, gymnastics, dance, uh, softball, soccer. Lots, I don't know, I tried a little bit of everything. I did scouts and lots of other activities. My family, we camped a lot. We did things with other families and friends. Uh, went to vacation in Oregon with family a lot. Like I just remember us being happy, uh, having a lot of fun. I thought we were the perfect family, right? Then, at around 10, I think it was, my life started to change. My parents separated. Why? I don't actually know. Uh, I'm 36, and I still actually don't know why they separated. It wasn't something that was openly discussed. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that you know, we actually didn't discuss a whole lot of things in our house, like, uh, you know, feelings, emotions, problems, issues, all that kind of stuff. It just, we just didn't do that. Um, and this dynamic just totally set me up for success later in life. Yes, sarcasm, if you didn't catch that. So here I am, I'm 10 or so, I'm getting ready for middle school, I'm trying to figure out like this two household situation, and then life decides to throw me a major curveball. I was out riding my bike uh, with a neighborhood friend right out here in town, totally normal thing. It was starting to rain, also a normal thing here, right? So we stopped at the bus stop, just right out here. It was a lot smaller then, actually. It was just one bench in one little covered area, not this giant thing it is now. So we stopped there, and you know, we're, just, we're deciding, like, gosh, do we continue riding to wherever it was we were going? Do we head back home? Like, what do we want to do? So as we're sitting there chatting up, you know, 
a guy pulls up in a car and he gets out and he asks for directions to Marysville. And being the smart aleck that I was, might still be a little bit, um, I very snottily said to him, yeah, you turn right and you go straight because it's Marysville, right? It's like literally less than a mile away. He said, thank you. So nice of him, right? He's so nice. And then he ripped me from my bicycle. I hit, I kicked, I bit, I screamed, I punched. I did all of the things you're supposed to do. But unfortunately, he was bigger and stronger and he won the battle. So there I was, I was shoved up against the driver's side door of his car and him and bent down in the steering wheel like creating a bald spot in my head there. And he said to me, you know, if you don't stay down, I'm going to kill you. So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone says you do X, Y, Z, or I'll kill you. You go ahead and you just do X, Y, Z. So I did that. I stayed ducked down. And y'all, this is the day that I thought was going to be my last day on earth. I wasn't even wearing good clothes or anything. Like, it was, like, and I was wet because it was raining. Like, I was like, great, this is wonderful. But here I am in the car, and I just started to ask God for forgiveness, right? Because I knew that was the only way that I would be able to go to heaven. So I asked God to, like, forgive me for being a horrible sister. I'm sorry for annoying my brother so much. I'm, I'm sorry for, you know, making Peter dress up in, like, weird clothes. I'm, I'm sorry for antagonizing my older brother. Like, please let them know I love them. I'm sorry to my mom and dad for stealing money out of your wallets. Sorry, Mom. Um, please, like, let them know that I love them. And please save my family as well so that they can go to heaven with me. And I remember throughout this entire event, there was like a white glow in the car with me, and I just kept hearing these words whispering, you're going to be okay. And man, I just like clung to those words so tightly. And I don't know if you believe in angels or not. I believe in angels, and I have no doubt that God sent an angel down that day to protect me and comfort me. And long story short, because I only have about a little over 20 minutes left, and I just can't tell the whole thing right now. Um, but he held me for roughly eight hours or so, and then he just randomly decided to pull over just a bit north of here at the island crossing on-ramp, and he said, get out. So I got out, right? It wasn't until we were in court later that we learned he had um, other weapons and garbage bags, duct tape, you know, like stuff that normal people just don't typically carry in their trunk on a uh, normal basis. And he admitted he, you know, had wanted to do more than just abduct me that day, but he didn't because, you know, yeah, you're laughing because you know why. I talked too much. 
Thank you, Lord, for blessing me with the gift of gab. <laughs> Apparently, it's a lifesaver sometimes, so thank you. So you take, go ahead and, you know, this life-altering event and, like, issues I was already dealing with from my parents' separation, and then you throw in uh, middle school, puberty, etc., and you can probably, you know, imagine this road that I was going to start to head down, right? So throughout the rest of middle school, I uh, still managed to get good grades, but I was starting to find myself getting into trouble for back-talking, cursing, acting out, and then come freshman year of high school, I lost my virginity to who I thought was my first love. And I was instantly labeled a slut. While the guy was high-fived and glorified, probably given several trophies for losing his. So since I was already a slut and I craved male attention that I didn't get enough of from my father growing up, I lived up to my label pretty darn well. Not only did I crave the male attention, but I also feared men at the same time. I can't imagine why. I mean, hello, aftermath of abduction, right? I was afraid to stand up to men. I was afraid to tell them no. I was afraid to take myself out of sketchy situations for fear that they would hurt me, that they would say things about me, or that they would not want me. So instead, I let myself be taken advantage of, used and abused by technical terms. I have been raped more times than I can count. I can't tell you how many times I've woken up not knowing where I was, how I got there, who was with me, or any idea what happened. Back then, I just, you know, chalked it up to the party life, and that's just kind of what came with the territory. But, you know, hindsight, you look back and you, you, you realize, oh, that was, that was rape, right? So after a few years of this abuse, I finally decided, you know what? If guys can play this game, I can play it too. And I'm going to play it twice as hard. So for several years, I was known as the man-eater by my friends. I dated, <laughs> I hear laughter, I hear that. That's uh, so I, I dated and I used guys. I got lots of free meals, lots of free meals. And then I would kick them to the curb before they could hurt me or get anywhere close to me. But was I really avoiding getting hurt? Nope. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was hurting myself a lot. I partied hard. Man, I was skinny. I was tan. Man, I was living it up. I was having the time of my life. It was what you saw on Real World, Jersey Shore, The Bachelorette, all these like popular reality shows, right? Like that's what the, the 20s life was supposed to look like. And that was me. I was doing it. I was living the perfect early to mid-20s life. And it wasn't until about seven or eight years ago now that I made the 
horrible decision to go ahead and drive home drunk. And I crashed my car, just minorly, thank goodness. And the next morning I woke up, and I saw the damage to my car, and I, I'm not, I dropped down to my knees, and I was just like, what the hell are you doing? Like, seriously. And I just burst into tears. And this is when I begged God to truly forgive me for being a horrible person, a horrible mother, and to please help me get my life together. If not for myself, then at least for my, at the time, six-year-old daughter who needed her mom. It was that day that I decided to stop partying, stop dating, stop sleeping around, and stop being a freaking hot mess, and just focus on work and being a better mom. At least half of my quote-unquote friends, right, dropped me like a bad habit as soon as I started changing my life. I was hurt. I was angry. I was sad. But in the process of changing myself, God helped me discover who my true friends were and still are, and also helped me discover myself, who I really am. I began to feel less upset over the friends that I had lost and feel blessed and thankful for the friends that stuck by me and also for new friends entering my life. In the book of James, we're reminded that it's times like these that God has us right here, right? In the palm of his hands. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I can't explain to you what happened inside of me after the day that I dropped down to my knees, but it was definitely something of like a rebirth type of transformation that I could literally feel inside my body and people could totally see. I was suddenly making twice as much in tips at work. I was getting the better shifts, more hours. I started to make real connections with people at church. They were inviting me to join their life group. People were asking me to come serve with them at events. And they were like actually wanting to get to know me. Like actually like asking like real questions, not just those like phony surface questions, you know. And I was like, this is really weird at first. But here they are, right here, right? And it was actually around this same time that I started going by Elizabeth instead of Beth, which I had gone by for or like roughly 30 years or so. I had matured, right, from my nickname to my Christian name. Not long after turning things around and asking God to really come into my life, I decided to 
get baptized. And let me tell you <laughs> that that was like such an empowering experience. If you've been baptized, you probably know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't and you still want to, you can. The water is still warm. We have shorts, we have shirts, we have towels. We got you. <laughs> six months or so, I think it was about six months or so after getting baptized, my husband and I, we got married right outside of Husky Stadium, our happy place. Go dogs. We have since been blessed with uh, two little babies, even though I was told I probably would never have more children due to previous medical issues. And if you were to ask me if that is God's promise at work, you know what I would tell you? Oh, yeah, yeah, bitch, yeah. Yeah. Our youngest boy, Rowan, he had to spend the first month or so of his life in the NICU at Seattle Children's Hospital due to a condition called Hirschsprung's disease. And in the quiet moments there with him, I swear I kept hearing someone whisper to me, he's going to be okay. And I'm pretty sure it's the same voice that was there with me in that traumatic experience earlier in life. And again, I just like clung to those words like so hard. And he is indeed okay. I, however, I was not. I think many moms can, you know, relate to this. Like, I blamed myself, right? At first, it was like, oh, what did I eat, drink? Like, what lotion did I put on to cause this or whatever? But then I thought deeper, this was my fault for all of my past sins. This was payment for all of the havoc I had created and the hurt that I caused not only in my life, but like we're talking hundreds of others. I was paying for my sins and my sins were now impacting my children. I mean, doesn't the Old Testament say that, that like sins will be paid for for generations and generations, right? Like I think I remember reading that. Guys, this was my fault. Because not long before I crashed my car, those several years ago, only about a handful of people know this, but I'm going to just openly share this today. I also had an abortion. This was my fault for taking that baby's life. My son was now paying for this. At the time, I believed this to be the truth. But it's not the truth. Right? Because then when Jesus went on the cross that day, he broke that curse. It's no longer. So I know that that's, that's not the truth anymore. But back then, I went into a deep, dark, very scary depression that I didn't want to admit or acknowledge. I was afraid of my thoughts and my feelings, and I feared that I was so lost that I might actually hurt myself. 
I asked my husband, please change the code on our gun safe because I didn't trust myself anymore. It was months before I finally sought help and it took my husband in tears begging me to get help because he missed me. He missed his wife. He missed my smile and my spirit. He didn't know who this person was. He knew that I wasn't living, that I was just existing. I didn't want to admit or acknowledge that I was flawed, that I wasn't perfect, right? That I wasn't being a perfect wife for him, that I wasn't being a perfect mother for our children. But thankfully, with the help of doctors and therapists, medication, prayer, support and encouragement from friends and family, I have been able to get out of that deep, dark place and truly live again. I'm still on medication, and you know what? I probably will be for quite some time, and that is okay with me because I've learned that I am still perfect in God's eyes. If it weren't for that medication, I wouldn't be able to dive into God's word every day. I honestly wouldn't be able to serve in the capacity that I do, and I can tell you I definitely would not be able to be on this stage today to share this story with you. See, I want you to know that I am a new person. I am a new creation since giving my life fully to God. That's right. <laughs> One of my absolute favorite chapters in the Bible is Colossians 3 because it talks about putting to death the old you and putting on your new self, right? In verses two through four, it says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Then in 5 through 10, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I have put on my new self. Do you know that you can also put on your new self? Y'all, God doesn't care what you have done before today. He accepts you exactly as you are. Flaws, imperfections, mistakes, and all. Will your life become perfect once you put on this new self of yours? Nope. But it'll be a heck of a lot better. I can promise you that. You see, I'm still not perfect. I still struggle with 
anxiety, depression, uh, even alcohol. My marriage isn't perfect. I struggle as a parent. I fight hard with body image and currently also multiple health issues. And a friend of mine, uh, I'm stealing this quote from her, I'm actually the heaviest I have ever been in my entire life. But you know what? My heart is the happiest it's ever been in my entire life. And it's all because of my relationship with the Lord. Because I know now that I'm worthy, that I am perfectly imperfect, that I was fearfully, wonderfully made, and that I can still be joyful and love life, even through the hardships and all of the crap that life wants to throw my way. Because I know that God has a plan for me and that he is going to see me through each and every one of these battles. You know what? The same goes for you. There's three things that I want you to just go ahead and stick in your pocket and just take with you when you leave here today. Just three. One, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are worthy. Don't you ever, ever let anyone make you feel otherwise. Two, this is one I wish I could just like stop my feet and yell really, really loud, and, but I, I won't, I can't. Don't you ever let anyone else feel as though they are not also fearfully and wonderfully made, that they are also not worthy. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Right? The cashier at the grocery store who might be, you know, taking a long time or not doing it right, they were fearfully and wonderfully made. They are worthy. The person who just cut you off in traffic, they were fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Your children who get on your nerves. Ryan, you said this last time. I told you I don't have all day. I could, I could go on, but I won't. Three, I want you to take time this week to really look at your relationship with God. Does it look how you would like it to? What can you do to build your relationship with God? Whether if you, if you don't have a relationship with him and you want to, how can you do that? If you do have a relationship, how can you make it stronger? If you need help with the, with the last one, the building your relationship, I encourage you to talk to someone. It can be me. I'm not a pastor, but I do know some things. Uh, but you can talk to a pastor, another staff member, volunteer, and we can help give you resources. Um, I highly recommend life groups. See these people up here in the front row here? It's people from my life group here to help support and encourage me definitely recommend that. That song we heard earlier today, Perfect People, there's a certain set of lyrics in that song that even though I've heard this song a million times, it hits me so hard and I, I almost I mean, like want to break down into tears every time I hear them. And th these are the lyrics. 
He knows where you are and where you've been. And here's the kicker here. You never have to go there again. There's no such thing as perfect people. There's no such thing as a perfect life. So come as you are, broken and scarred. Lift up your heart and be amazed and be changed by a perfect God. Jesus, I thank you so much for bringing us here today. Lord, I thank you for giving me the courage to share my life with these people and for giving me the heart to hear me today. Lord, I pray for anyone who might be going through hard times, who might be wondering if they also can turn their life around, that you would just continue your relentless pursuit for them and that they could feel your presence with them everywhere they go and in everything they do. Lord, I pray that we would all remember that there is nothing we can do to make you stop loving us, that you will never give up on us, even though the rest of the world might. Lord, we thank you for all of that, and we give you our utmost praise and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>